like people who want to like me already are like, oh, she's cool and she's misunderstood. And people that want to hate me think that like I'm Satan's reincarnation and that like I'm the worst person that's ever existed. And I just try and think about all the women that I admire in all realms, like on television and culture and politics. And I think interesting women oftentimes are controversial. Stay tuned. We'll get into my conversation with Meghan McCain right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. I've executive produced top-rated programs such as eight seasons of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Additionally, I have created shows such as Netflix's Styling Hollywood, OWN's number one rated love and marriage franchise, and TV One's Hollywood Divas, just to name a few. So y'all know I have many jobs, child, okay? Just saying. New episodes of Reality with the King will air once a week on Wednesdays. We'll resume airing twice a week in June. In the meantime, make sure you catch my new late-night talk show, The Nightcap with Carlos King, on the Oprah Winfrey Network every Saturday night, immediately following Love & Marriage DC. Hey, Raindrops. Today's guest on Reality with the King is one of pop culture's most controversial figures, and she just so happens to be one of my friends. Yes, I'm talking about former co-host of The View, honey, the one and the only Megan McCain. In our conversation, we talk about how we met at a Lady Gaga concert. Yes, so funny. But we also talked about her time on The View, her experience being there for four seasons, working alongside Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, and Sonny Hostin. Additionally, we talk about our love of housewives. She's a huge fan of Beverly Hills, so we get into the different treatment we both felt Erica Jane received versus Jen Shaw. Plus, we give our take of the top five greatest view co-hosts of all time. Baby, without further ado, let's get into this conversation. I have a funny story to share as to how Megan and I met. And I met Megan McCain in Las Vegas, <laughs> headed to the Lady Gaga concert. Yes. My partner says to me, there goes Megan McCain. And I look in front, I was like, shut the F up. He said, <laughs> go speak to her. So mind you, I don't get starstruck. Oh my God. Often, I was starstruck. You were there with Ben, your yes. husband, and your best friend, Essie Cup. I was, And yeah. I tapped Megan and said, I love you. Nice to meet you. Megan could not have been more sweet. We spoke for a good five minutes. Ben was like, we got to go. Lady Gaga's <laughs> about to start. And from there, I said to her in our quick time, like, hey, I'm a producer. I do Housewives, whatever. And we talked about Candy Carter, who was the then executive producer at the time. That Monday, I get a text from Candy Carter. And she said, did you meet Megan McCain? <laughs> yes. I said, yes. She told me, she said, you were so sweet. A few weeks later, I went to The View. It's a live show. Megan McCain came out of her dressing room 
to say hi to me. We talked about reality TV. And ever since then, we've been fans of each other and friends. And I want to go on record saying, I got a chance to meet the human, Megan McCain, and she could not be more sweet. Thank you, Carlos. I remember all of that, obviously, in the first time I met you. And you're, you know, you're very famous in your own right. I mean, you're the king of reality television for a reason. I've been messaging you and telling you that I would really like you to come back to some of my franchises and fix them, please. Which I hope that Angie Cohen and the people at Bravo hear that because you're needed. Um, and yeah, I remember meeting you again, seeing you again backstage at The View with Candy Carter, who was the executive producer of The View at the time. Um like such a lovely woman. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember like just talking about reality TV and shooting this shit. And uh, yeah, thank you for saying that. Sometimes I think my, um, I don't know, it's weird because sometimes people, like people who want to like me already are like, oh, she's cool and she's misunderstood. And people that want to hate me think that like I'm Satan's reincarnation and that like I'm the worst person that's ever existed. And I just try and think about all the women that I admire in all realms, like on television and culture and politics. And I think interesting women oftentimes are controversial. And so I just have sort of come to a place in my life where I'm trying to, you know, accept it. That doesn't mean there aren't things that aren't hurtful. Um, But I have a pretty thick skin at this point. And I like when people like you say nice things. So thank you very much. And, uh, you know, fuck the haters, I guess. (laughs) Fuck the haters. No, because it's true. And listen, I'm a black gay man. And It's funny because on paper, you would never think that Meghan McCain and Carlos King would be friends. And when it comes to politics, you and I do not talk about politics at all. No, not really. We talk about our love of reality TV. We DM each other all the time. And for me, I look at the soul of the woman and the heart of a woman. And what I know for sure, you, like a Wendy Williams, like the other shock jocks, if you will— You are controversial because you speak your mind and you speak your truth and you don't care if it's unpopular, it's your truth. And what's so interesting is when I talk to people within my circle about my love for you, 99% of them say, oh, I like her. Oh, She's a great addition to The View. You to The View is sort of like what Lisa Renna is to Beverly Hills Housewives. (laughs) You do know what I mean? It's one of those things where... That show needed you because when The View was going through this weird operation change, right? When it was Whoopi and raven Simone and Michelle Collins and Rosie Perez. And I stopped watching Mm -hmm. that show for a couple of years. When you and Sonny Hostin started on that show, it resurrected. And they had a hard time filling the shoes of Elizabeth Hasselbeck who I'm a huge fan of in terms of like a personality. The ratings went up because of you and Sonny, because you ushered in a new fan base. You brought in younger viewers. You and Sonny brought in your own individual fan bases and a base. And again, a Black gay boy at my age can listen to Sonny Hostin and say, girl, yes, I agree with you. And can listen to Megan and say, May not agree with you, but I love that you stand up for what you believe and you do it in such an interesting way. And I miss that. Do you miss your time on that show? Um, Well, first of all, thank you so much for saying all that. It's very kind. Um, The view is tricky because it's kind of like having an ex-boyfriend that everyone knows you broke up with. And everyone, people are just curious because it's like such an iconic show. And I get it. Like, I love reality TV. I love gossip. You and I have conversations offline about gossiping about things that, like, you know, I want to know about. We're all human. 
Um, it's It was a privilege to be on for four years. I have moved on. Like, I really don't, I don't watch the show at all. It doesn't really enter my lexicon that often, even just like the feeds I follow on Twitter and the news I read and the pop culture I consume, because most of the pop culture I consume is like, it's a lot of housewives and a lot of like, you know, Daily Mail and stuff like that. Um, so I don't watch anymore. And it's too weird. It would be too weird to watch. But um, I don't miss it. And I think it's because I had such a hard time my last season. It was a really rough time in my life. Um, I've been very open in my book about what happened because I felt like I owed it to give more context to my experience because I didn't want people thinking that I was just like, okay, I'm done. I, I helped. I, I, Sunny is one of the greatest TV presences, I think, in all of television. Like, I have told her that I think she should host her own show eventually. Like, like I actually think that, like, I don't know why MSNBC isn't trying to poach her for, like, Rachel Maddow's slot. Like, that's how good I think she is. And I actually think she's a really, she's by far the most politically savvy person on that show, at least when I worked there. And I by love far. that about her. Yes. And extremely, like, curious in a way that I didn't find anyone else I worked with, like curious just about different aspects of politics. And I too found that politicians that came on always wanted to definitely have a question with me and her. So your instincts on that were my instincts on that as well. And she's also the only cast member I still have a relationship with (laughs) for whatever that's worth. (laughs) So you guys are still friends. And did you guys see each other at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? We didn't, but it was my fault because I I don't love that dinner. And I was like talked into it. And it's so... I don't mean to sound like an asshole being like, oh, I was dragged to this black tie dinner, but I actually didn't know she was going. So had she, I known she was going, traditionally, um, the view women didn't go. Had I known she was going, I would have texted her. And then afterward, I was like, oh, shit, I missed her. But um, yeah, like I, I was actually messaging her about uh, like a month ago about some like very personal stuff about motherhood. And I have like such love for her and I respect her. And like, do we talk every day? No. But if she were like walking into the kitchen right now, I would like hug her and want to talk to her for like a few hours. So yeah, she's a really good person. And she didn't demonize me the way a lot of other people did, for whatever that's worth. You know what? The view to me is like the Real Housewives. And what I mean by that is it is strong women who have an opinion. You sit at a table. So for the Housewives fans, it's like sitting at a dinner table. Mm-hmm. And you have to address each other in your view. And it really is about friendships. And I really did love the friendship you and Sunny had. Um, I love, obviously, the the mentorship that Whoopi gave to you and 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 how that was at that point. Obviously, it's, it's no secret that, unfortunately, you and Whoopi probably don't have the same relationship like you had when you first entered four years ago. When you look back on your time on that show, is that probably the most saddest thing that you left? Um, you know, she, Whoopi is an American icon, and she's sort of omnipresent in our culture and in like everybody loves her. Like people, even like the most conservative politicians that would come on the show would want to meet her and be starstruck and like kiss her ass and like want to talk about whatever movies or, you know, shows she had been on that they had watched. Um, and I will never, you know, disrespect her or be negative towards her. Um, you know, I I think I, I think my experience on the show suffered a lot with COVID and Zoom. I think it's a lot easier to hate someone through a box and through a screen and to not understand where they're coming from. I was really pregnant during COVID. It was really scary. I was living, you know, so removed from everyone. And um, then I had really bad postpartum depression and anxiety. And I was like drowning and just trying to like get my bearings. And I've said this, I just didn't feel supported in the way that I had hoped when I came back. And I just felt like 
if you, people can't support you when you're struggling in this kind of a way, then what's the point? And I can't fake the funk. Like I'm not a bullshitter. I'm in, I can't, there are amazing people that can go on camera and they'll fucking lie to you and pretend to be someone else. And like, they're, they're brilliant at it. And there's a lot of people who make very, very nice livings doing that. I'm not that bitch for you at all. <laughs> like at all <laughs> wrong woman. And I couldn't fake it. And I felt like, I really felt like my time had come to an end, but I don't have like, I don't feel like, um, anger or, hyper negativity or anything. I just feel like it's like a chapter in my life that was complicated and it was really beautiful in the beginning and it turned out not so beautiful at the end, but that it it was co-hosting a very popular TV show. Like no one feels bad for me and I don't feel bad for me. And I wish all of them like truly the best. You're so missed by the fans of the show who, who enjoys good television. I adore that you found yourself in your daughter and you found yourself in being a wife. And you found yourself choosing happiness over, um, you know, the purpose of what that show brought. And now that you're able to focus on that, you seem to be so much more at peace, which is why I'm like, well, good. We and her get to DM all the time because, you know, (laughs) we could talk shit. But do you miss being on TV? Do you want to get back on TV? Can we get a, a show with you and Ben like Morning Joe? No. And in fact, we've been pitched that like several times by several networks and one very, very hard, like one network in particular was like, name your price. And I was like, I will die because Ben and I are like, when we, when we uh, disagree politically, which we have a lot, we're not like much, despite what some people say on Twitter, like we're, we're, he's much more conservative than I am. And the idea of having to like, as you know, produce a show with someone, go on air with someone and then go home and then like separate it. It's just not possible. And I'm not going on TV with that at all. It's like my, no. <laughs> it's like my idea of how, um, you know, I was on TV for a lot. I co-hosted a show, a daily show on Fox. And then I co-hosted a show on a network nobody saw with Jacob Soberoff. And I did a daily radio show for three hours a day, all of these for years since I was like 26 years old and I'm 37 now. So I've been on air a long time and I know that there are some people that like, they have to be on camera. Like so much of their value in life is defined by how much airtime they get. And I think that's like a very sad part of the industry, but I don't miss it. I have been offered things and I just, nothing feels right. Nothing feels perfect. And I think I would have to be in a situation, A, I'm never going to do anything again where it's not fun because TV and doing like podcasts and things like this, if it's not fun, there's no point, especially like post COVID. And I was not having fun the last season of The View at all. Like it was, it was not a fun experience. And I think television, even when you're talking about politics should still have like levity in it. And I don't know. I don't miss it. Is that weird? Like the view, like was such a apex, you know, Mm -hmm. it was number one and won an Emmy. And we were on the cover of the New York times magazine. It's like, I don't know where you go from there. You are nominated for an Emmy right now. So congratulations. That's so weird. Uh, thank you. It's so weird. I was like, if we all win together, it's going to be very strange. Um, Are you going to the Emmys, Megan? Absolutely not. <laughs> <gasps> no, thank you very much. Um, I don't like that kind of stuff anyway. And also it's it's uncomfortable, you know? I, I just I don't, like, it's, it's, sad. it's very sad. I don't, but I am one woman and they are four or five? Five now? I don't remember. Um, and because Sarah came in like halfway through the last mm-hmm. season. And, uh, you know, at a certain point, I think anytime for me, like 
anytime there's any kind of like show or anyone in politics where everyone is just piling onto one person, my automatic instinct through my experiences is like, well, what are, what are they doing as well? Like, why are you targeting one person? And I just, um, you know, I don't want to be in any situations in life right now as much as I can where I'm uncomfortable in that kind of a space. So no, I will not be going to the Emmys. And it's very weird for me to be nominated with them now. I didn't even, I don't even really get it. Well, I hope you win. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, I think it has to do with the timeline. I mean, listen, it feels like you've been off the air for years. And I don't think people understand that it hasn't been that long. In addition to the fact that your seat is hard to fill. And I think that's why when, when we watched, well, I'll say I, when I watch the show now, it's hard to fill that seat because it, it takes a strong woman to go up against a Sonny Hostin and to go up against a Joy Behar. And what you brought there was was an element of pop culture. You watch reality TV. You love drag queens. And before I move on away from The View, because we have so much more to talk about, the best moment of The View to me while you were on is when you shared on camera that during the Black Lives Matter moment, you talked to Sonny. And you wanted Sonny to educate you on what was going on in the world and, and, and to have a better understanding about how a privileged white woman can really help out the African-American community and to sort of see, like, where your privilege lied. And when you share that, I thought that was so sweet. And it really did show the friendship that you and Sonny had. In addition to the fact, I remember when Alec Baldwin's wife, who faked that she was Spanish, it's was so on weird. the cover of a Spanish magazine, Joy Behar and Sarah Haynes thought it was the funniest thing where you and Sonny Hostin both said, no, this is wrong. She's taking a moment away from a born and bred Latina woman. Mm-hmm. And you got to understand the privilege. So when people say things like, Megan's a bitch, she's racist, she's a, she's a homophobe, she's a conservative. I'm like, you guys don't watch the show because she's none of those things. And, and I wish people focus more on, on that. Well, thank you for saying that. I remember both of those instances. Um, the the summer of the George Floyd, um, you know, murder, and obviously all this the social unrest that happened afterward was a complicated time to be on air. And I specifically remember when his murder happened, and then we we had a long weekend, or we had a spring break. I don't remember which one. If it was like we had a week off, or we had four days off. But I talked to Sunny. Because A, we are friends, and B, whomever ends up working on that show, she's a great resource just for a conversations to have pre-conversations before the show. Some hosts don't like doing that where they don't want to talk beforehand because they think it like save it for camera. She's not like that. Like I spent a lot of time in her dressing room just like talking different, lots of different things out beforehand. So she was very gracious. And I wanted to know her opinion because she is she got her start in that space. That's how she originally started out on CNN was doing you know, commentary in, in that space. And then I talked to Senator Tim Scott because he had spoken out about it. And he told me a very hard story about, um, him learning as a young child to put his hands and I'm, I'm going to butcher this. So excuse me, but putting his hands on his steering wheel in a certain position. So when he was pulled over by police officers, it made sure that they could see his hands. And then mm-hmm. he told me that he had been pulled over. And again, he's a senator from South Carolina. He had been pulled over. It was something insane, like 12 times in the past year. And I remember having those two conversations and it really helping illuminated, you know, what I wanted to say, because there are times on in life and on television where you just need to listen. 
where it's not about talking because, and I always think when someone is in extreme pain, when there's a group of people that are angry and upset and God forbid, feel that there is nothing else that they can do except resort to violence because people are not hearing them shut up and listen to what they have to say, period. And that was one of those moments where I just felt like it was the most important for me to hear because I, I wasn't fully understand. Now I do, but at the time I didn't fully understand everything. And then I think you have to take moments to educate yourself and in, in life in general. But I think particularly when you have the responsibility of being on television. And I remember the Hilaria Baldwin thing. There were a lot of moments like that on the show where, you know, I don't like Hilaria Baldwin. None of it is my vibe at all in general before the scandal. And then I think cultural appropriation is such a big issue right now. And again, she was taking space on television, in media, on magazine covers from Hispanic and Latino women who just aren't represented in the way that they should be. And, you know, I I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I do know that like the representation of white women versus Hispanic and African-American women and Asian women is much less. So I don't, I never liked any of it. And I do think there was sort of, um, that's what's tricky about daytime TV, specifically the view is like, sometimes it, people just, it's so heavy. They just wanted to make a joke and I never wanted to make a joke. And Sunny to her doesn't really do that either, at least when I was on. And uh, yeah, I remember that. And I still don't think there's anything funny about Hilary Baldwin. I still don't think she should like, I, I don't think she should be like railroaded out of life, but I think we forget too easily this like very bizarre way that she has presented herself to the world like she was uh, from Spain. Stay tuned for more of my conversation with Megan. We'll be right back after some quick ads. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my conversation with Megan. I was mad last week when this a-hole went on Twitter to talk crap about you. And let's go for the record. You have a book called Bad Republican. One thing I know about people, Megan, the truth doesn't get as much press as a lie. So because I follow you on social media, I already knew you had the audible version of this book for months, if not a year before the book was released. And it and it had a lot of great reviews. So when people started making jokes like, oh, her book only sold 200 copies, it's like, guys, she had an exclusive deal with Audible. And it became popular to use that to diminish you. And then this a-hole decided to say these crazy things about you. <laughs> oh, I kicked her off of her father's jet because she was being a brat. Like, why is this man attacking this woman in this way? Like, how did you feel when that was going on? I mean, I told you yesterday, like, it's been a very taxing time. Um, but I'm tough. I really have, like, skin like rawhide at this point. Um, the book thing has been strange just because it came out seven months ago. And I actually had, like you said, I had an exclusive contract with Audible where I couldn't put anything out in print until after six months. And it was actually intended to be just like verbal, like a podcast and like a story. And I really enjoyed recording it. And, you know, I, I actually am not one of these people that gets really caught up on like sales and numbers and ratings to a point. Like it matters, but it, like, it doesn't keep me up at night. And, um, it did very well when it first came out. It was like number two uh, behind Dave Grohl's book for first two weeks. And then I think it was like number three for the first two months. And, um, you know, I was very happy with it. My publisher was very happy with it. My editor was very happy with it. And then I had a, a independent bookstore come to me say, do you want to do like a very small printing for people who don't didn't want to listen to it? And there's some people, as you know, that like having 
physical books in their home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, great, whatever. You know, I was like, I don't want to do a big press thing just because a, I don't want to continue talking about the view stuff forever and be like, I, I, it had seven months ago and it came out and I just did a few things and then it came out and it, you know, didn't sell like, you know, gangbusters. And, um, it was like trending on Twitter for a long time. And again, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm fine. Like I'm the most blessed person in the world. I have a wonderful life and I'm very happy as a generalization. Um, I don't love bullying towards anyone. And I have some of my closest friends. I actually like started friendships with people because they have been at the, at the, other side of social media insanity. And I think it's the, I think for women in particular, it gets very personal and it tends to be very violent as well. And that's just hard for people that love me and like my family, but I don't know. I, it's, it's going to blow. It's kind of has blown over. It's going to continue blow over. And if people want to be like, Oh, Megan's such a loser. Everybody hates her and they don't like her work. What can I do about that? I feel, I feel really good about the way the audible did. It's crazy to me because at the end of the day, you know, you're an accomplished woman, Megan, you're just getting started in terms of what the future holds for you. I do see a podcast in your future. I do see something. I, I really do because me and the people who love you on The View, we miss your point of view. And what's interesting is we always will look back and say, oh, I never looked at it that way. That's a very interesting take. So we want more of your takes on that. But I want your take on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills premiere. Did you watch it? Yes, of course. Obviously, I watched it. What did you think about that premiere, Megan? So I'm really happy it's back. And I think I read on your Twitter that it did very well like ratings wise, like it did higher, I think this premiere than, than last season. Is that correct? This premiere did 1.1, um, four or 5 million. Um, last year did, I think like 0.949 or something like that. Um, and obviously it has now become, at least right now, Bravo's highest rated housewives, um, which when I, tweeted that, I said, I'm going to talk about this on my podcast because obviously the biggest controversy right now is the fact that, you know, Atlanta Housewives um, ratings weren't as great as Beverly Hills and people are debating that. Um, What I wanted to talk to you about was more so like your thoughts about Beverly Hills and if you even caught the Atlanta premiere. Um, I have not watched Atlanta and this is very controversial. Um, like very, maybe the most controversial thing I'm going to say on your podcast. I really was a huge Nene fan. And I know she's like, it's very messy and she's like suing Bravo. And I, I've read that she's like, I think she's like actually suing Andy Cohen as well. Um, I thought she and Kim Zolciak really made that show. So I watched it up until last season and then it started kind of like losing me. And I need to watch it. I actually watched Beverly Hills just because I knew we were going to like talk about it. Um, I know Marlo got a peach, which I'm really happy about. And I love Candy. Like, I watched um, with, is it Bolero? The, like, stripper scene. Oh, like Bolo, the, uh, honey, Bolo. Bolo, yes. And I love Phaedra. And I think that, like, I don't know. For some reason, it wasn't gelling in the way that it used to. Because Atlanta's, like, one of the most iconic. As you know, Absolutely. I mean, what you produced it for, what, eight years? I mean, yeah, you're yeah. big. You want to talk about the, me at The View? You're a huge reason probably not the reason that show became so iconic. And I do think that like they need to mix it up a little bit. And there was actually a cast member that I was a fan of. I really liked Eva a lot. 
And I was like yes. kind of following her journey. And I was really pissed that she wasn't included in the next season. And I really liked her husband. And I thought he was interesting. Yes. He like ran for mayor. And I was like, they need to explore like his politics, his political career, like her being a new mom. Like I really liked her. And I was really sad that she wasn't invited back. So I feel like I get so invested in these people that like, I th- it's probably a lot like daytime TV, but it's a lot of consistent change. And I like my people that I had for a while. Um, and I think Candy's carrying it like she has for a long, I think Candy is like one of the greatest reality TV stars of all time. And, you know, a absolute like genius when it comes to like her business and music. And she's kind of like a, like goals for so many people. I don't know how the hell she does it with so many things in the air. Um, but yeah, but I, it's not like, I am going to watch it, but I kind of want to binge it. So I'm going to wait. Yeah, bit. I caught the first episode and me and Dave Quinn, who you know as well, D- Dave mm-hmm. Quinn from People Magazine, he's a huge Meghan McCain fan as well. <laughs> we did a review on the premiere and I gave the premiere B plus. It was a great premiere. We watched the second episode and the second episode wasn't as interesting. And one thing I did say about Atlanta is the glory days are gone. And that's what I'm hearing as you're talking about. The days of Nini, Kim Zosiak, you know, Phaedra, you know, the... Kenya. The S- Kenya, you know what I mean? Like that that organic friendship is missing. Portia too. Portia. I love Portia. Yes. It is missing the organic days. And the reason why I wanted to talk about Beverly Hills to you is because... What they did so perfectly is the casting of that show. Because at the end of the day, Kyle Richards is the face of the Beverly Mm -hmm. Hills franchise. And although she's the longest-running OG on that show, it's the organic friendship she has with these people that aren't all new. Garcelle is a great addition to that show. I think she's magnificent. I did too. I love Garcelle Bouvet. And... I look at that and I compare that to Atlanta. And at the end of the day, Nene Leakes will always be the face of Atlanta Housewives. Yeah. Um, and what you and I both agree on is the missing element of the organic relationships. And I'm with you with Eva. I thought Eva was fired too soon. And what bothers me is I think sometimes people make casting decisions based on what they see on Twitter. And Twitter is not the real world. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Yeah. I just thought Eva was like, she was the one that I like really, I don't know. I was like just such a fan. And I think she's like one of the most stunningly gorgeous women ever on that show. I liked Cynthia. I just feel like if you can do like an OG cast or even just bring back a few OGs, I would probably be more invested. And again, like I really like Kenya. I know a lot of people don't, but I liked her too. I actually like found like, there's, it was so raw and real. Like when you saw, was her ex-boyfriend named Matthew? Like when he came Mark. over to her house, Mark, excuse me. When he came over to her house and like bashed in her windows and you're like, oh, she's no, like I'm showing wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. It, w- it was Matt who bashed through her door. Yes, Matt. Uh-huh. And remember when he like, he was so abusive to her and it was so hard and so raw. And this is like a former Miss USA beauty queen who is, you know, also just like gorgeously stunning woman. And you see this like raw, palpable, intense pain. Like she went through so much and she was like putting it out there. And so I, I don't know. I really liked Atlanta. I will, I will watch this season. I just haven't yet because I've been, I've been actually watching a few other shows and then OC just ended and we have Beverly Hills 
again, these franchises, I don't know if I think I'm like a lot of people and like you obviously like you become connected to these people. You root for who you root for. I think that they have become really important figures in pop culture for different reasons. I think a lot of times what's happening in America is really reflected on the housewives in a lot of different ways and how they deal with life. And if it's too produced and too saturated, that's when I stop watching it and I don't like it. And I felt like the OC this season was like ostensibly an infomercial uh, for Heather. And I didn't, it just is like, it's fantastic that she has a, she does, she has a beautiful home, a beautiful family. They all seem amazing, but, um, you know, it, it didn't, I didn't find it as, as like compelling. I didn't find it compelling television at all. Sorry. And I love OC. I really root for it too. Like, no, the season sucked. It's okay to yeah. say it's fine. Listen, I think it's okay to be honest. And what's interesting is we live in a world right now where you can't even just be honest. OC sucked. It was not it was a not great, great season. It's not a diss to anybody. Atlanta Housewives would never be what it was before. And that's okay to say, but make this show the best it can be. Beverly Hills is in his glory days because this is what I'm going to say on the record. The biggest mistake that was made was letting Portia go. Because you and I talked about this too, Megan. That Portia Simon situation, yeah. Phelan, that should have been the A story to start off the new season of Atlanta, to give it the, the momentum and the press. Because what happened to Dorit was in Dorit's robbery was in the press mm-hmm. for so many months. I believe the ratings contributed to people's curiosity about Dorit talking about this robbery because we saw it in the press for so long. So I think mm-hmm. if Portia and Simon and that Phelan and that whole situation was a part of Atlanta, it would have been, a, it would have been high ratings. But I am so obsessed opinion. with this woman's personal life. Like Portia's personal life fascinates me. And like everything with Dennis fascinated me. And like, <laughs> I want to know everything again. If she had been the main woman, you know, in the middle and we had so, like gone very deep into her personal <laughs> life, I would have been watching the first original episode. But there is a certain point where I'm like, I can't keep meeting new people. Like, <laughs> please bring back the beloved figures. And she's also like huge. You know, she's like a huge, 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 you know, not just reality TV star, but like just, I mean, I would go so far as to say star in general. And so she is. again, why let her go someplace else? I mean, I know she has her own show, but still like, I don't know. Whatever. But when it comes to Beverly Hills, I did watch it. Um, I think it's going to be a great season. At least I'm really hoping it is. And But the robbery was very intense. It's a very, I mean, it was in the news, like you said, it's a very intense, dark way to open it. Um, you know, I'm really happy this cast stayed the same and they didn't make any changes. I'm very curious about this new woman. Um, the one they say looks like Bridget Bardot, who's like, I'll be your villain. Yes. And I was like, I might like her. Like, I like this response. And she's I saying that to Sutton, right? Isn't she saying that to yes, Sutton in the thing? She yeah, is. put Sutton in her place, ma'am, whoever the lady is. I don't know. Are you team Erica or team Sutton? So Erica is like a personal friend for real. Like we text and FaceTime and she's like a wonderful person personally. I know everything everyone has to say. I know everything. I still choose to be her friend and I don't care what haters say either. She came on The View and performed on my birthday. She's a wonderful yes. person. Had the pandemic not gone on, she was going to perform at my baby shower. My last p- event, I know it was going to happen. I know. And she was one that of the first people I told I was pregnant. Epic. 
Vegas, <laughs> shut up. Yep. And she she said, of course I will. And it, again, it's one of the saddest things about my like pandemic, whatever. She's a lovely, I can't tell you how much. And I think, again, it's another thing like we bond over being hated, you know, in a lot of ways. Like she knows what it feels like to have like the world like think that you're like, whatever, like, you know, crazy and divisive and all these things. But I adore her. And like I said, she just, she has such a good heart. Um, you know, I, I knew shit was coming down with her before the press did, like she was candid with me and we're like real friends. So I will like ride for her forever. And I, I don't, again, I don't, there hasn't been a trial. She hasn't been charged. And again, I think, and the other thing that I think is very, very hypocritical is like, let's go to Salt Lake City. Jen Shaw is allowed to just like traipse around, do a reunion where I didn't think her feet feet were held to the fire in the way that she should have. She's going to the New York court, like district court attorney. One of, I actually texted one of my girlfriends who works for um, Fox News and she's a lawyer. And I like texted her and she was like, these charges against Jen Shaw are no joke. She was like, it's absolutely no joke. The level that it's rising to. And she was like, if these people are involved, like, you know, you can't obviously convict anyone until there's been a jury, but it's bad, like very, very, very bad. And I felt like the media and the fans have really given Jen Shaw a pass. And that being said, please don't come after me because I already had Twitter drama this week, Jen Shaw, and I don't want any more. And I'm just <laughs> saying I'm protecting my girl, Erica. But um, I felt like Erica was given such intense scrutiny and Jen Shaw was kind of like, oh, there are these charges, but like Shaw amazing. And I thought that was kind of bullshit. It's interesting because I could not agree with you more. I didn't think that her feet, I didn't think Jen Shaw's feet were held to the fire at the reunion the way Erica was. I think because Erica comes across so ice cold that people are like, see, there's a reason why we hate you because they did not have a reason before because she just came across so stoic. Whereas Jen Shaw, like you said, she's amazing and she's whimsical and she's funny. And what was so interesting to me is Jen Shaw is actually being charged with being the person who got her hands dirty in this situation. Whereas Erica's situation, unless I'm wrong, is truly by default based on what her husband was doing. And of course, yeah. you can say whether or not she knew about it, she didn't. But at the end of the day, they're saying Erica's husband allegedly did all these things. They're not saying Erica Jane allegedly did these things. They're saying Erica Jane allegedly was a part of it in the sense of receiving the financial benefits from it. And it's weird because you want to... People are supporting Jen because they feel like, well, she's funny. And they feel like Erica isn't remorseful. But at the end of the day, the, a crime is a crime. Um, yeah. But it's very interesting how that plays out on Twitter. I never understood why people think she's so icy. And again, maybe it's because I'm very similar. It's okay not... like. I'm not best friends with everybody. Like I, I keep my circle close. I love who I love. I trust who I trust. And I don't think that people should necessarily have that kind of agency over you, especially in times of crisis. And I felt like she was, I know she was drowning for a long time and just trying to like stay above water. And again, if it comes out in court that like something that she has done something wrong, fine. But until then, like I really, vow, I cannot tell you, Carlos, I can't, she is a literal, she's like a, a actual friend of mine. I cannot express to you how kind she has been to me, how loyal she has been to me, how smart she is. She's extremely politically savvy. We talk about politics all the time. She watches cable news, like, and wants to, like, talk about things. She's always freaked out about, like, different things going on in the world. And I really like her. I, I can't even tell you how much I really like her. And I don't like people being mean to her. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I just really like, I don't know. And I maybe I'm just going to die on this hill with my other controversial women. But I, I don't know. I, I really wish people knew. Like uh, during the pandemic, we would like FaceTime in bed in our pajamas. And I'd be like, fuck this pandemic. It's awful. We're real friends. We're real friends. Real friends. I am real friends with Erica, I guess. Wow. No, listen, I, I love Erica Jane. And it's funny because I got shit from Twitter two weeks ago when Erica had this epic scene last season where she told Sutton, Miss Small Town, you shut up. Uh, yeah. Miss, Miss my motherfucking reputation. Be quiet. I loved it. And I retweeted it saying she was the star last season. I'm sorry. Erica Jane was the star of Beverly Hills Housewives last season, if it was not for Erica Jane, those ratings would not be high. It was her show, her story, and the way she delivered. I don't care if you agree with her or not. You have to agree. She makes great television. She carried it. Oh, on her back. So I did an episode of The Greatest Housewives of All Time, my top 10. Okay. Um... I would like for us to play a game of the top five greatest view co-hosts of all oh. time. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. you want me to start or are you going to start? You start and then I'll go. Okay. Carlos King's top five greatest view co-hosts of all time are, <laughs> in no particular order, Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, Star Jones Reynolds, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, and it's a tie between Megan and Sonny. Because to <laughs> me, Megan and Sonny changed the direction of the show. And the reason why the show skewed younger with female audiences is because of Sonny and Megan. Because they brought in pop culture. They brought in stuff that my generation wants to, wants to listen to. They're the reason why it trends on Twitter Megan and Sonny single-handedly changed the direction of The View. And the reason why I was sad to see you go is because I thought Sonny and Megan were the future of The View. So that's my top five greatest View co-hosts of all time. Thank you. That's really nice. I Let me try and think mine. Um, Rosie. You got to add Rosie in there because, again, she changed the game too. She did. Like, And she made iconic television. And... You know, again, love her, hate her. A lot of people love her, hate her. But she was also the first, I think, I think the first openly LGBTQ host of The View. I think. I yeah, think. she was. She was. Yeah. And, and wait, isn't she like the first like real bona fide celebrity that was the co-host? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she, for me, like when I was sort of cognizant of The View is when I was in college when she and Elizabeth, you know, like fought and there was like all that drama. And I... I will, I like Rosie O'Donnell. I think she's really compelling television in general. And like, she's a little messy and so am I. So I like that. Um, Dar Jones. And I just think again, like another person who just like changed the show was on for such a long time. Also, uh, much like so much of all, all history, but like television history, you look back on that period of time with Star and you really appreciate what she was doing, how she was doing it. And again, the sort of outward celebrity that she brought in. She mm -hmm. really used the show and like helped platform herself in a major way. Um, Whoopi, obviously. I mean, you mm -hmm. can't take that away. Elizabeth, love Elizabeth. Yes. And five is tricky. Let me think. Um, oh my gosh. Who else is there? Um, I think that's, God, I gotta do one more. I guess Sunny, just do Sunny then. That's good. 
Funny. That's a good one. Yeah, so those joy. are good ones. Not Joy Behar. I can't, Carlos. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm so sorry. I can't. <laughs> oh, wait, can't. wait, wait, wait. I can't. <laughs> wait, did, did Joy respond to a tweet of yours? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was so weird. Like a month ago or two months ago, like, like Rick responded to some woman who was a friend of hers who I had actually met. Um, I put a tweet up like a Valentine's Day tweet to Ben, my husband. I was like, I love you. Like, and I don't like love those, but I also find I do those because if you don't, people think you're having marriage problems. So that's why I always people are like, oh, there was no Valentine's Day, whatever. And there's a lot of chaos in my life. And thank God I'm very grateful my marriage is a place of stability. So whatever. And this woman wrote, um, not everything needs to be shared, Megan. And then Joy wrote like, what did she write? Oh, what did she say? shit. Uh, She like wrote like apparently or like I agree or something like that. I was like, are we going home after the view and trolling Megan's Twitter? You know, like that's a really weird thing to do. And I was like, I just felt like it was just so bizarre. I don't look at social media with, um, I try not to look at social media trending stuff in general or anything like that. If I can, sometimes temptation happens, but it just seems like a very weird thing, especially this far out of me leaving the show that she's like, Still creeping on my social media. So no, this 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 was the this means the world to me that you decided to hop on my podcast. I know that you don't do a lot of interviews. Let me say this to the to the world. Megan does not do a lot of interviews. So when I asked her to be in my podcast, within seconds she said, I would love to. She said, I'm actually honored you would ask me to do it. Oh, totally. You've been so kind to me for so long. I'm so happy to see this like incredible success you're having. It's so warranted. You want to talk about next generation? I think like, you know, next generation hosts of late night shows after reality shows. I think you're a great option. You know, women feel comfortable around you and, you know, public people feel comfortable around you. And I think that like that, not to tell you how to do your career, but I think that could be like, that's what my vote would be. Um, And I'm so glad you're doing late night in general. But I know you're behind the scenes person, obviously, and very iconically so. But Stay on air in front of the camera. It's it's really you're such a great presence. So, and your your <sighs> fans are gonna be like, "Is this a love fest?" <laughs> I know, no, I, I, I'm kind of tearing up. No, thank. That means the world to me. It is my hope that after listening to this podcast, that you walk away having a better understanding of Megan McCain. Follow her via Instagram and Twitter at Megan McCain. Thoughts? Opinions? Read, honey, about my conversation with Megan. Email me at realitywiththeking at stitcher.com or leave me a voicemail at 310-593-8188. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. Share comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag realitywiththeking. 
Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, engineering and music by Marcus Ham. More Sauce.